Thank you so much for joining me today on Just Praise Him Radio. I'm your host, Glenda Lomax, and my job is to inspire you to a closer walk with Christ. Now here's the show. Hello, believers. Welcome to the Just Praise Him radio program. I'm your host, Glenda Lomax, and the title of my message today is, What Have Your Words Been Doing Lately? You'll know about once a year or so I teach on the power of our words, and I always try to bring new revelation to you or some kind of new testimony or something. Anyway, I want to read you this um, little poem that I found. The author is unknown. You've, a lot of you have probably heard it before, uh, but I've never, I've never read it. A careless word may kindle strife. A cruel word may wreck a life. A bitter word may hate and still. A brutal word may smite and kill. A gracious word may smooth the way. A joyous word may light the day. A timely word may lessen stress. A loving word may heal and bless. Have you ever said something and later wished you could just take the words back? Maybe you caused someone deep pain or embarrassed yourself or someone else. Maybe the words just came out sounding completely different than you meant them to, and you thought about them for a long time afterwards. And sometimes other people did too. That is the power of our words. I believe today that many Christians are living defeated lives because of their words. It's so easy to become snared by our words. Do you talk in a negative way about your health or about your finances or your family or your relationships? You know, if you pay attention when you're doing that and especially afterwards, I mean, when we do it, we're venting. We're venting our anger and our frustration. But if you pay attention after you do it, you'll find you don't feel better but worse. And I think we've all done that. You know, we're human and we deal with a lot of stuff down here, and especially in this time that we live in, don't we? And you know, Satan just loves to get us talking the wrong way. He knows the power of our words far better than we do, and that should frighten you. Romans 10.8 says, But what saith it? The word is nigh thee, even in thy mouth and in thy heart. That is the word of faith which we preach. We've been given authority to speak God's words in the power of his name, out of our own mouths. We've also been given authority to speak words that are not God's because we have free choice. And we are free to use our free will, though we don't always use it in a way that's to our own benefit. Just like our children, as they get older, we give them a little bit more leeway and a little bit more leeway because we're training them. So you let them have a little more rope and a little more rope, and then you watch to see what they'll do. And if they go the wrong way, then you correct them. Here in America, we have free speech. Free speech is the legal freedom to say what we want to say. We can agree or disagree, protest or speak our opinions about our government, our president, our laws, whatever we want. But anytime we open our mouths and start speaking, there is a cost to what we say. Death and life really are in the power of the tongue. In Proverbs 18.21, death and life are in the power of the tongue, and they that love it shall eat the fruit thereof. That means you're going to get a harvest. Even in America, free speech is not free. 
We are created in God's image, and we have the same ability to speak things into existence, good or bad. You know, there's a, a scripture in the Bible that says, look how little a member of the tongue is, and yet it, it starts a great fire. And it does start a great fire. You can start strife with someone, and it will grow into a very great fire. And it will burn them up, but it will also burn you, because you don't start a fire without it also being close to you. And you have to remember that. And that's a word for somebody because that is not in my notes, okay? I love what Robert Morris wrote in, in his book, The Power of Our Words. I've been reading that. <laughs> so he's talking about that scripture. And he, and he said, I've started more than my share of conflagrations. Con, I guess I'm saying that right. With this Zippo lighter tongue of mind. I thought that was so funny. <laughs> he's just funny to listen to. He's a good, good preacher, y'all. He's from South Lake. Uh, Robert Morris is well worth listening to. You know, some people just need to talk all the time. They can't stop talking. And every one of us knows at least one of those people, don't we? There's an excessive amount of idle chatter around us. There's an excessive amount of idle chatter on television, especially in the advertising. A lot of garbage going into your mind that you don't really want. And then during the day, that garbage sometimes intrudes on your thoughts or comes out your mouth, don't it? That's why small children sing advertising jingles. Advertising is designed to clutter up your thoughts, to make you think about that product and whatever virtues the manufacturer wants you to believe it has. But Matthew 12, 36 says, But I say unto you that every idle word that men shall speak, they shall give account thereof in the day of judgment. Every idle word. Y'all, how many idle words do we speak every single day? Words that are just worthless and have no just idle chatter how many you know my grandmother was a, a woman of few words when she spoke she had something to say but she would be quiet for hours at a time and i never knew why until i became a christian and started reading the word she knew these scriptures she knew what that meant and somewhere along the way and i wished that i could ask her what she learned that she knew that made her able to tame her tongue so well because she must have had great revelation on the power of words. You know, we need to be able to hear the Lord. I get asked by so many people, how do you hear him? How do you, how, why is it that you can hear him and I can't hear him and all that? And uh, <laughs> I'm sure some of my family's going because she's just nuts, you know, but I don't know. But um, we need to be able to hear him. Being too busy can hinder that. Constantly chattering or listening to constant chatter can hinder that. Um, constant chatter disturbs a peaceful spirit and the noise of it blocks the still small voice of the, the Lord. This can be chatter from a person or chatter from the television or radio. Many people have to have a television on for noise. Sometimes that's because of loneliness. Sometimes it's because they're running away from a situation or a wound that is so painful they just cannot face it and the chatter distracts them from thinking about it. It distracts them from facing what's really the issue. Another thing that I was shown that stops a lot of people from hearing the Lord is they are not living a sacrificial life. Many people are not willing to lay anything down for the Lord, even though he laid everything down for us. He has asked many to do this or do that, and they just cannot be bothered, you know, to move someplace new, to give away possessions, to give into the kingdom, to go preach the gospel, or just to witness to this or that person, or, you know, to mind the nursery at church, whatever. But they're not willing to make any sacrifice. They feel he is there to serve them. 
But if you're one of those people, let me give you a newsflash here. He is the king. He is the king of all kings, and you are here to serve him. Now, whether you do that or not is still your choice. But don't think that you're going to sit there with blessings raining down on you all the time when you are in disobedience. Yes, that is disobedience when he's telling you or asking you to do something and you're not doing it. If you're one of these people, you need to take a serious look at which one of you is God because it's not you. I'm just saying. But for those who are willing to sacrifice for their king, they will discover that they hear better and better and better the more they give up. Disobedience, sins, things as in possessions, like you have to, that brand new car you're asking the Lord to pay for, but then you spend every Sunday washing and waxing and instead of going to church and worshiping him who brought it. And the Lord just said, that is a word for somebody. You, sir, have asked the Lord for some very nice possessions. And he is happy to give you that nice house in the fancy neighborhood with an HOA. That's how you ask for it, just so you know this word is for you because you're trying right now to pretend it's not. You're afraid of what he's about to say to you. And he is happy to give you that nice new BMW and to keep you in new BMWs from now on. But everything he has given you just takes more of your time from him because now you're all about taking care of the possessions, waxing the car, having people over to the nice house so you can show off that Italian leather couch. The Lord just wants you to know, sir, he says, son, I'm happy for you to have things, but I'm not happy that those things now have you and your heart is far from me. I am to be first if you want to keep them. He says, if you want to keep that lifestyle, he wants you to seek him and worship him like you did when you had nothing and you were desperate, when you were couch surfing and wearing out your welcome at friends' houses because you did not have any money. God gave you the power to get wealth, and now you're about to drive off and leave him behind. The Lord says, take a look at all I have done for you. Look where you were and where I have brought you. It is for my glory, not yours, son. Give me back my time and give me the glory. Do my holy name if you want to keep those nice things. Sin, disobedience. The devil does not like this message. He is messing with my computer. Okay. Sin, disobedience, too much activity, and wrong people come between us and the Lord. These are the things that keep us from hearing his voice. Okay. If you're one of those people that's having trouble hearing him, now hear me on this, that and not living a sacrificial life, that's a very big one, not being willing to sacrifice. I have two grown children. They are both highly intelligent, and I do mean highly, and, and none of us in the family have ever figured out where they got that. They are both very nice looking. In fact, my daughter is beautiful. She is a real head turner. She's tall and slim like a model with blonde hair and blue eyes, and she knows how to present herself. She's gorgeous. But as beautiful as she is, her greatest features, in my opinion, are her intelligence and her sense of humor. She is very engaging. She has a master's degree and she works as a paralegal. My son has a very high IQ. In fact, if he wanted to, he could apply to Mensa right now and be accepted. He is also very engaging. He carries a teaching anointing that is off the charts. And anytime he is teaching, it is mesmerizing. It just nails you to your chair. People are always trying to get on his schedule just to talk to him. He's that smart. And I'm not saying any of the stuff about my kids because they're my kids and I love them, but because it's all true. I think either of my children are smart enough to become anything they want to be. But the Bible says the beginning of a real wisdom is to fear God. So no matter how intelligent or skilled you are, all the wealth, all the beauty, all the people influence, all the possessions, all the entourage you surround yourself with, are not going to be able to protect you from what is about to happen. 
Only God can help you in that. All the people who rely on their careers, their beauty, their wealth, their degrees, or on other people to protect them when everything hits the fan soon are going to be terrified because none of that is going to help. The most powerful, influential people in the world are not even going to understand what's happening. It's going to be every man for himself, and those people will not protect you because they will be scared too and watching out for number one. And here's a newsflash. You're not going to be number one in that time. Can I just tell you that? And you know, speaking of the power of our words, our prayers are made up of words. Have you ever noticed that you get far better results if you pray God's word back to him or if you pray praises to him than if you complain about your life to him? Funny how that works, isn't it? The power of our words is easily forgotten, but very easily demonstrated. I think we can all remember at least one incident from our childhoods where the power of our words had a lifelong effect. I was a tiny little thing in grade school, and sometimes the bigger kids picked on me just because they could. One day, I think I was in third grade. I was outside at recess. I was alone because you don't have a lot of friends when you're poor. You don't fit into any groups. You don't have any money for nice clothes. You cannot engage in activities that cost money. So I was just out there kind of standing around breathing the air. And I noticed off to the side where these two sisters, I knew they were Pentecostal. I knew who they were. I knew they were Pentecostal because they had hair that was long and uncut and their dresses were below their knees all the time. One was blonde and one was brunette. And I, if I remember right, they were twins. Their last name was Adams. They were together, but it was clear that they had no friends either. And I knew why. A few minutes later, the brunette one walked up to me and she demanded to know, why are you staring at my sister? And I had not been staring. I was really surprised that she asked me that. I had only glanced and I would noticed them, but being used to being made fun of, she was offended. And that day, my words rescued me as the truth just came out. And I said, I think she's pretty. And she actually was. They both were. They were just so traumatized by kids making fun of their unkept hair and their long dresses. And bless their hearts, she went back to her sister, and I saw the look on her sister's face when she told her what I had said. And I smiled at her and just turned away as the bell rang. That day I was glad for my words, but that has not always been the case. I hope those sisters remember my words as well as I remember theirs. Sometimes people's words wound us. Sometimes they heal us. Though there are several people in my family who have musical gifts, I was never one of them. And that was made very clear to me when, <laughs> when I was still an energetic little red-headed brown-eyed tree climber who knew nothing about music except the joy of singing to the radio on car rides. My first encounter was in the fourth grade. Everyone had to go take this aptitude test to see if they had certain abilities. And I only remember the music one because of what happened. After you finished your test, they checked all the answers and then they called you up to the front one by one and they gave you the results. So this man calls me up there. And I'm not, you know, expecting any big results. I have zero interest in any kind of music training. And since my family could barely afford to buy food, it would not have mattered if I had. There was no way anyone was going to buy me a musical instrument, even if I did have talent. But not to worry. I saw the man look at my paperwork in great consternation. I mean, he really looked confused, y'all. I mean, he really he looked at it like, like none of this makes sense. Then he looked at me and said very sincerely, we really don't advise you try to play any instrument. <laughs> I never forgot what he said. I remember thinking, I will be happy to take that advice because my family cannot afford one anyway. And I walked happily back to my class. I didn't care. When you're poor, you learn to roll with punches. And his punch had not even heard me because words cannot hurt you if you don't care. 
By fifth grade, my parents had given me an electric organ on which I played very old songs like Buffalo Girls on, at various speeds, real fast, real slow, you know, because I didn't know, much to my poor mother's dismay. I'm surprised she didn't cut the electric cord off it while I was in school or something, because my mother did have musical talent. She could sing like an angel. I mean, I walked in one time and she was singing and my eyes filled with tears. The anointing was so strong and the presence of God was all over that room. I believe it was when my grandmother was done, my paternal grandmother. So when tryouts for something in music class rolled around, I thought I would try out. Surely after all my singing with the organ, I was better, right? This is the, the mind of a child. I remember the teacher's name was Mrs. Harper. So I got up and, you know, when it was my turn to try out for the, I don't know, it was a choir or so, I don't know, something. And uh, I was never part of anything, so I was just trying to be part of something. And I got up and started to sing Buffalo Girls in front of the entire class because I need the words to that at least. I was not very far into it Miss, <laughs> when Mrs. Harper's eyes glazed over and she said, sit down. <laughs> I was like, okay, I guess I feel that. <laughs> very sternly, like, did you really think you could sing? And I was like, okay. And I just walked quietly back to my seat. And I never tried out for, well, actually anything again after that. <laughs> that was it. I gave up on everything. And by the way, so y'all don't think I'm off topic here. Did you know that when you sing the words to a song, you are decreeing what they say just as much as if you were speaking them? Y'all remember a song back in, I want to say it was the 70s. I was born in 1960. I'm real old. So um, there was a song somewhere along the way. I want to say it was the 70s. It was gloom, despair, and agony on me. And people weren't around singing that. Be careful what you are singing to on key or off, okay? So I was researching for this podcast because I wanted to bring y'all some fresh revelation, and I don't always have some, about the power of our words, as I've seen again and again that they are very powerful. We can increase the blessing level we walk in just by watching our words and not making our words stout against the Lord where he can't bless us. If you really want to prove to yourself the power your words have, do the rice experiment. Y'all remember the rice experiment? I'm going to put a link in the show description to a woman. She's a Christian woman, and she did the experiment to see if it was really true. And you just basically, you cook some rice, and you put it in two bowls, and you talk to each one each day. It sounds crazy, but this is a scientific experiment. It's literally a scientific experiment that was done many years ago, decades ago, I think. And one of them you speak death to, and the other bowl you speak life to. And her results are pretty, pretty interesting. So I'm going to put the link to that video in here, and y'all go look at that. If you really want to see if your words are really powerful or not, do the rice experiment. You owe it to yourself to prove it one way or the other. And if nothing happens, then I'm wrong. Did y'all ever notice that three of the seven things the Lord hates in Proverbs 6 are sins of the mouth? That's really serious because he hates these things. These things are an abomination to him. Proverbs 6.16, these six things does the Lord hate, yea, seven are an abomination unto him. A proud look, a lying tongue. And hands that shed innocent blood. I've, I've passed verse 16, okay? A heart that devises wicked imaginations. Feet that are swift in running to mischief. That's somebody that just cannot wait to, to go and make trouble. A false witness that speaks lies. And he that sows discord among brethren. So of the seven things the Lord calls abominations in Proverbs 6, the three sins of the mouth are a lying tongue. So a tongue that just lies all the time. When you lie all the time, you're acting like Satan. He is the father of lies. A false witness who lies. So that's someone who says they witnessed something they did not witness. And let's keep in mind that if you sow false witness, you will also reap a false witness. Other people will say they saw you do something you didn't do. 
That is a spiritual law that whatever you sow, you will reap good or bad. That applies to everybody, whether you believe or you don't believe in Jesus. Someone that sows discord, which means strife among brethren, meaning a person who starts trouble between other people, a troublemaker. An abomination to the Lord is something he finds detestable. It's something he despises. We don't want to be doing any of that, do we? Every action we do, every word we speak is seed for a harvest of the same thing in our lives. We have all seen times of reaping in our lives. We never stop sowing and we never stop reaping as long as we are on the earth. I heard somebody say one time, oh, I think I paid for all my stuff. And I'm thinking, no, you haven't. None of us have. Because we are always sowing and we are always reaping. And, you know, we all have people who hurt us or who are hard to forgive. But if you understand how God works, you will forgive. Let me tell you why. Number one, not forgiving means you will go to hell when you die. You cannot get into heaven if you have unforgiveness towards another person, period. That is in the scripture. Number two, God is never mocked. Whatever a person sows, they will reap, Galatians 6, 7. If they did something to you when you were helpless, the Lord waits until they are helpless, and then they will reap that same thing. And that, and you don't get out of that just because you're saved either, by the way. You still get paid back. I have seen times of reaping fall on people, and it was so exact it was jaw-dropping. And the reason I say you still get paid back is I have reaped things I sowed before I was saved, and I had to reap them, okay? And number three, the third reason is because if we try to pay someone back, then God won't. And he taught me this. He is not obligated to pay them back if you already tried to do it for him. So... Someone did something really, really wrong to me not too many years ago. And I have a wonderful attorney friend who wanted to go after them for me and said, it will not cost you anything. I have cases right there nearby. It won't even be an inconvenience. And I said, well, let me pray about that because I wasn't sure how God would look at it. And I prayed and what I heard was, do you want that person to pay them back for you or do you want me to pay them back? And I said, oh, you do it, Lord, because I've seen your payback and it's way better. We need to get our words in line, y'all. We need to speak blessings and not curses over our lives, over our loved ones, over everything that concerns us. You have the power of life and the power of death in your mouth. You can choose which way you want to use that every time you open your mouth. There is no faster way to build or to destroy every relationship around you than with your words. Words build bridges and words burn bridges. They connect us to people and they separate us from people. They can make people love us and want to be around us, or they can drive people away and repulse them. It is your choice. Every minute of every day, you choose each time you speak whether you are going to honor the Most High God or honor Satan with your words. Who will you serve today? We can all have a new beginning anytime we want. And words are a great place to start. I just want to pray before I close this. Spirit of the living God, I lift up every listener to you right now, Lord, especially those who are hurting, those who have been wounded by people's words, and especially, Lord, anyone who happens to be out there who's been wounded by mine. And I pray, Lord God, that you would bring the healing balm of Gilead, and you would touch them, and you would heal every wound, Lord God, and give them a new start. I pray that you would bless them, that you would save them, and that you would give them new life like you did me, and like you have so many others in your great mercy. 
Help us, Lord God, every time we open our mouths to remember that our words have great power and that you want us to speak life and not death. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. That's all I have for y'all this week. I'm sorry the podcast was late. I have had so much going on that I am just beating myself coming and going. But it's getting better. Thanks for listening. Jesus bless you. Y'all have a great week. Thank you so much for tuning in today to Just Praise Him Radio. You can contact me by mail at my new address, JPH Inc., Glenda Lomax, P.O. Box 60, Glencoe, Arkansas 72539, or by email at jphtoday at gmail.com. JPH is not affiliated with any nonprofit organization, church, or denomination. Do you know someone who is going through a wilderness season right now? Have you heard about the Wilderness Companion Study Guide? It's a workbook with 41 lessons, including new stories from the wilderness and questions to help you work through your own wilderness experience. Read each lesson, then complete the questions to apply the lesson to your own wilderness experience. Get your copy of the Wilderness Companion Study Guide today and get one for a friend. Available now on Amazon.com. The Wilderness Companion Study Guide by Glenda Lomax. Available on Amazon.com. Sidewalk Flowers Volume 1 is a collection of 58 short inspirational readings that will uplift, comfort, and encourage readers from every walk of life. Sidewalk Flowers includes inspirational tales and topics taken from the lives of everyday people who exhibited extraordinary wisdom, kindness, and courage while traveling the sidewalks of life. Get your copy of Sidewalk Flowers Volume 1 today, available in print and new audiobook. Sidewalk Flowers Volume 1 by Glenda Lomax, available on Amazon.com in print or new audiobook. There is no one on earth who has not been wronged at some time in their life. Everyone has a story to tell. Everyone has been hurt by someone. The pain you have suffered does not make you special. It is what you do with that pain that sets you apart. Life can make you bitter or it can make you better. You choose. The only difference between the two is the I. If you ask anyone you know what the most difficult experience of their life has been, many will answer about a time of betrayal. All those called to walk the narrow path will at some point encounter Judas. How will you respond? Do you know how to recognize Judas when he shows up in your life? Can you keep Judas from bringing destruction to your life and ministry? How can you minimize what Judas cost you? Can you pass the test of absolute betrayal? Get your copy of The Judas Test, available in print and new audiobook, The Judas Test by Glenda Lomax, available now on Amazon.com. Sold out 
for 30 pieces of silver? In Exodus 21:32, it is the price of a dead slave. In Leviticus 27, 2-7, it is the price of a live one. Jesus was sold for the price of a bondservant. Precious Jesus, the Son of God, the Prince of Peace, the King of Kings, why did Judas sell his friend out so cheap?